Welcome to Streams from the River, the podcast from the River Church RVA with Pastor Teacher Michael Kraft. I know you'll be blessed by the teaching today, so open your hearts and let's get straight into today's message. I want to look at something this morning. I want to look at the man in the mirror. Okay? Because the next most important relationship between God is really your relationship with yourself. Okay? And I've never really heard a message on this, but we're going to go there this morning because I am trusting that each and every one of you will leave loving yourself more than when you came in. So isn't that sound good? How many of you want to love yourself a little bit more? Yeah. All right. Well, that's cool. All right. When you look at the man in the mirror, when you looked at the man or the woman in the mirror this morning, what did you see? How did you feel? What were your thoughts? I'm sorry, the teenage years. Yeah, the acne is probably the first thing that you notice, but it does go away eventually. Uh, do you like what you see, you know, when you, when you look in the mirror? There, there are things, when you look in the mirror, does this ever happen? You kind of get that distorted image, you know. It's kind of like everybody that I have ever met, I've seen the skinniest people in the world say, I am so overweight. My sister, who celebrated her birthday, not my sister Deborah, but um, I've got a, another sister. Actually, I've got five. But uh, she weighs a whopping 70 pounds. All right. And she went out and actually bought a chair for her little office desk. And she thought that the chair was defective because when she sat on it, it wouldn't go down. <laughs> And so she thought something was wrong with it, you know, but, you know, and she probably thinks that she's a little overweight. I think that she's a lightweight, told her to grab some books, some weights, something, because the chair that goes up is supposed to go down, right? That's kind of fun. I know y'all are envious, wishing your chair would do that too. That's, that's for another day. All right. But. Sometimes our image of ourself is distorted. We don't see ourselves the way that we really are. We have a perspective. We have a viewpoint. You know, we have an image that isn't always true. Would you agree with that? Okay. And so how do we go about changing that image so that we can begin to see the man in the mirror the way that he really is? Do you know that you've actually never seen your face? You have never really truly seen your face. All you've seen is a reflection of your face in the mirror. Interesting. We'll get into this later, kind of jump ahead. But you know what? You don't know who you really are until you look at the reflection of what the Bible says and who God says that you are. That gives us a reflection of your identity in Christ, who you really are as much as a mirror gives you a reflection of who your physical self is, okay? So, what I want to do this morning is to share with you some truths that the Lord has shared with me on how to develop a healthy relationship with yourself, okay? And it's biblical. It's in the Word, okay? We're going we're gonna to look at that this morning, all right? So, in... Um, 
Mark chapter 12, verses 30 and 31, it, it says this. This is a scripture you're all familiar with. It says, you shall what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second commandment is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, loving your neighbor as yourself, all right? The word love there is the word agape, all right? And so, uh, actually, when I was thinking about this, this is a definition that has been evolving in my life for 30-some years. And so, I was looking at it, praying this week, and the Lord kind of gave me an update. So this is like version 71.5b or something like that, all right? But agape is more than just unconditional love. It's more than just sacrificial love. It is a unconditional, sacrificial love that values the object of its love so highly that the giver lose sight of themselves and freely and joyfully gives without regard for what they get in return. You see, when we worship God and work to worship him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, how many of you know it's hard to do that if we haven't lost sight of ourselves? We're singing the song this morning and Fred's, what, what, what's the song? I'm going to move my body. What was the song? I'm going to move my body. I'm going to move my feet. I'm going to move my what? Open my mouth. I was going to say, I'm going to move my mouth and let the darkness flee. Listen, if we're worshiping him and we are so conscious of ourselves, we have not totally, we're not totally worshiping him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Because there's a place where we value him so highly that we lose sight of ourselves because of his value. All right. And we give to him, we give to him in worship, not expecting or looking at what we're going to get in return. I know individuals that worship, but you know what? We're worshiping because we're, we have a need in our lives. Man, can I tell you, God deserves to be worshiped because he is almighty God. And the best thing we can do is absolutely lose sight of ourselves in worship. Okay. So we're commanded to agape God to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then we're commanded to, it's the same word, we're commanded to agape our neighbor. In other words, we're supposed to unconditionally, sacrificially value our neighbor so highly that we lose sight of ourselves, willingly and joyfully give to them without any regard to what we're going to get in return. How many of you love your neighbor that a ways? Okay. Now, with God, it says we're to love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. There's a different condition that Jesus gives for how we're supposed to love our neighbor. Okay. It says that we are to love our neighbor, what? As ourselves, right? We're supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves. Or, and who's our neighbor? Our neighbors really look around. Our neighbor is everyone that you don't know, not just the person that lives next to you. Most of the time, or a lot of times these days, we don't even know who that person is. When I grew up, man, you knew your neighbors, you knew the whole entire block. Sometimes you can go weeks and months and not know who, who your neighbors are, right? 
So we're supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves. Does that say anything to you about the importance of your relationship with you? We're to love our neighbor. How? As ourselves. Hmm. Well, that's really interesting. You may not always love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, but can I tell you this? You always love your neighbor as yourself. Sometimes we love our neighbor better than ourselves, right? There are things that we'll sacrifice and we'll give, we'll believe the best and give to others, and we'll, we won't we don't believe the same thing. So sometimes we love others better than ourselves. Let me ask you this. When you talk to yourself, do you talk nice? Any of you talk to yourself? Okay. When you talk to yourself, do you, are you kind to yourself? Do you have patience with yourself? See, I got a lot of people thinking about the last conversation that they had with themselves. I was, we were back here knocking this old baptismal down. And I had this 60 pound jackhammer and it's doing some things and it's going sideways. And I'm going, Mike, we shouldn't be going sideways. And, you know, I began to think some things. I didn't actually say them out loud. But I, I began to think of some things that I probably wouldn't say out loud. Sometimes we, we don't talk to ourselves. We don't, we, we don't value ourselves. We talk to others one way, but we talk to ourselves an entirely different way. And we're, so, we're called, Jesus said, to love your neighbor as yourself. How many of you would talk to your neighbor the same way that you talk to yourself? Any hands? You would talk to your neighbor exactly the way that you talk to yourself. This is saying something to us about the relationship that we have or that we're called to have with ourselves, all right? Last week, we said this. We said that our vertical relationship with God is reflected by our horizontal relationship with others. In other words, we don't love God any more than the person we love the least. A couple of challenging remarks there. But our relationship, the Bible says in 1 John, how can we say that we love God whom we cannot see if we can't love our neighbor who we can see, all right? So we said that our horizontal relationship with others is a reflection of our vertical relationship with him. So I want to add something to that this week, okay? I want to say that your relationship with others is always directly reflected by your relationship with yourself. Okay? Your relationship with others is always directly reflected by your relationship with yourself. I was having this conversation with Chris earlier this week. We get together and chat sometime, and he said something so profound to me that I said, Chris, would you say that again? Say it again. And I actually wrote it down and I wanted to share it with you this morning because this is what Chris said. Okay, I told you I'd put it on the slide. If you are not valuing yourself the way that God values you, then 
you are not likely valuing God or your neighbor as you should be. Is that profound? I'm going to read it the way I kind of, that was my rendition. Chris, if I am not valuing myself as God values me, I am not likely valuing God or my neighbor as I should. Wow, that's profound. If I don't see myself the way that God sees me, I likely am, ain't, (laughs) bad English, ain't seeing God (laughs) for who he is, and I ain't seeing you for who you are. It's important that we love our neighbor as ourself. It might sound kind of weird, maybe a little kinky to say, hey, I need to love myself, but it's biblical. We're supposed to love God, agape him, agape our neighbor as ourselves, all right? Why is it that we disqualify ourselves from what God says about who we are, okay? Because God values you. It says in in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. Can I make that personal this morning? Can I say that God so loved you? Can you tell your neighbor God so loved you? You can tell your neighbor. How does it feel when you go like this? Take your finger and point it like this, then then do like a 180 back this way and say, God loves you. Can you do that? Let me see the fingers. Now look at the finger, okay? Because everybody's saying, I'm not looking, I'm not looking. God loves you. Yeah, you. He does. God so loved you that he gave his only son so that when you believe in him, you can experience the God kind of life. We're not comfortable with a healthy relationship with ourselves, okay? So, oh, we've got some handouts. Did we pass those out? Or ushers, can I have you come forward and pass? We've got a handout for you this morning, okay? I think that it's time that we come into agreement with who God says that we are. We make that confession. I believe the word of God, that it's the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Do we really believe it? Do we really believe it? If we do, we confess that we are who the word says that we are. I have what the word says I have. I can do what the word says I can do. How many of you really believe that you are who the word of God says that you are? Or is it just a part of a confession that we make on Sunday mornings? Okay. So Amos 3.3 says this, how can two walk? together except they be agreed. How can two people walk together unless we're agreeing on some things? What's it like if we're trying to walk with God and God values you? He has such a tremendous love for you, and you think that you're the leftovers of a rat sandwich. You know? How many of you have had a rat sandwich lately? Not very good. I stopped that a long time ago. So how can two walk together except they be, no, I got one, thanks, Ed. Except we be agreed, if God so loved you, that means your life has value, right? 
We've got to come to a place where we believe what God's word says that we are in the same way that when you look in the natural mirror, it gives you a reflection of your natural self. When you look into the word of God, it gives you a reflection of who you really are. And we've got to come into agreement with who God says we are. If the Bible says the works that he does will do and greater works because he goes to the Father. Man, if there's power in agreement, if two or three agree as touching anything, we we talk about that when we pray, right? Why can't we do that about what God says about who you are? When you when the Bible says that he who knew no sin, this is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 21, he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So when Jesus was raised from the dead, he was made sin on our behalf. When he was raised from the dead and you received him, you received his love, you became the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Guess what? You are not a sinner saved by grace. You were a sinner. You've been saved by grace. And now you are a saint. You're a saint. Saint John. Saint Chris, Saint Caleb, Saint Jacob. Good to have you with us, Saint Jacob, this morning. You know, I grew up in the Catholic Church, and you had to die, and I don't know, be gone how many years, and have verifiable miracles before you could become a saint. Well, that's not what the Word of God says. The Bible says that if you're born again, that you are a holy people set apart, and the word saint means set apart once. Okay? So you're no longer a sinner. You were a sinner. You've been saved by grace. Now you're saying it's a part of your identity. How many of you, does it feel weird to say that? Okay. Now, I'm not saying go, go around at work tomorrow and say, hey, guess what? I just discovered. Went to church, and they told me I'm a saint. <laughs> I'm Saint Samantha. Who are you? You know? That might not go over so well. <laughs> but it is a part of your identity. It is who you are because it's who the word says that you are, okay? And to walk with God, we need to walk in agreement. So if you are in agreement with who God says that you are, then these things are true, okay? You are loved unconditionally, okay? You are absolutely loved. I I want you to, to think, I want this to sink in. I want you to I want this to get into your spirit, okay? Because we're going to talk about this in just a few moments about how we judge ourselves and we identify ourselves by our performance. Our performance doesn't always measure up, but guess what? God's love for you is an unconditional love. How many of you put conditions on your love for others or on your relationship with yourself? I want you to know that God's love for you is unconditionally. He loves you. If he loved us when, he was, when we were sinners, 
If while we were sinners, Christ died for us, how much more will he lavish his goodness, his mercy, his love, and his blessings on us as, as saints, as sons and daughters, okay? He loves you unconditionally. There's nothing that you can do. The Bible says nothing in Romans 8. What can separate us from the love of God? Is there any circumstance in heaven or earth that can separate us from the love of God? No. There's nothing that can separate you from the love of God except for one thing, your agreement. You're the only one who can separate yourself from the love of God. You can't separate yourself from God's love for you, but your lack of agreement can keep you from that place where you actually receive and are walking in the benefit of that love. You all follow me? Okay. So if you are loved by God, then guess what? You're not only loved unconditionally, he delights in you. He delights in you. He's happy. He looks over you and he says, man, there's my son. There's my daughter. He takes his little God finger and tickles you, you know, because he loves to see you smile and loves to see you laugh. He delights in you, okay? This is, this is, if you're walking with God, you believe his word, your life has value. You have worth, you're, you have purpose. Man, I don't know how long in our lives People come up and they say, you don't have any value. You, your life doesn't have any purpose. You're a good for nothing. People get bullied. All sorts of things happening today. And what it does is we, it puts us in a situation where we fall out of agreement with what God says, and we're more in agreement with what our peers are saying. It's, it's a crazy, amazing thing that I see. Because you can raise a child in the way that he should go, and they will believe every word you say until they turn 13. They'll believe every word that you say. You'll tell them who they are in Christ. You'll tell them how unconditionally loved they are. And then all of a sudden at 13, they start listening to their friends, and then they come home and they say, Mom, Dad, you've been lying to me. Because they're giving more weight to what their peers are saying and then the truth of what God's word says and the truth of what you mom and dad have poured in. But I've got good news for you, okay? That the sower sows the word and it goes into good ground. The word goes forth and it never returns void. It always accomplishes what God has called it to do. But there comes a place where, you know, the voice of our peers, the voice of our associates, the voice of, of other individuals come into our lives and we fall out of agreement. We've agreed so long that we're nobodies, that we don't have any worth. All of the negative stuff that when, when we read about what God says, who he says that we are, we go, that can't be true. Can I tell you what the gospel means? The gospel's good news. Literally, in the Greek, the word gospel means not just good news. It means almost too good to be true good news. I'm telling you, you're loved. You have value. Oh, somebody ought to say amen or something in the house. <laughs> Y'all sitting there like, I'm just looking into a mirror I ain't seen in a long time, and I'm waiting for it to crack. It's not gonna, because it's the truth. 
And man, I'll tell you, you need to be able to look into the word of God. I said this before, you need to be able to look in the mirror and say, man, God loves you. You're special. Your life has value. God delights in me. When you come into agreement with that, how much, man, that just brings me joy. I was talking to one of the guys that was doing the demolition today, or not today, but earlier this week. He dropped off the excavator on Sunday. And I was out there fighting with a chainsaw trying to take a tree down. Why in the world am I doing that with a big old excavator coming in? I've got this chainsaw. It's not working. And so I'm speaking unkind things to myself. <laughs> okay. And so I asked the guy, I says, do you, do you have a chainsaw? He says, no, nope, but I can take that tree up for you. You're just going to come over and just like that. And it's out. So I started talking to this man. And he and he's encouraging me. He's encouraging me. I'm not putting on my best pastoral self at the moment, okay? And he begins to share with me, and he gets my he really gets my attention when he tells me that his Down syndrome son just passed away two weeks ago. Two week, it was a two-week anniversary, and he was 30 years old, and he passed away the day after his 30th birthday. I would never have known that. I would have never known that until he told me. And then I'm looking at him, and I'm going, what is it that you know that most of the people that I talk to don't know? Because grief is natural. It's normal, but the Bible says, guess what? We grieve, but not as those without hope. And when I talked to this man, he, about every other sentence was a quote from the word of God. He knew who he was. He knew who his son was. He knew where his son was. And he was rejoicing in his son's freedom from being bound in a body with Down syndrome for 30 years and the freedom and the expression and the love and the joy that he was experiencing. And all he wanted was a glimpse of that. And so I bought him a copy of a book called Imagine Heaven. And I was so blessed. This was a man who knew his identity. And it didn't matter what the circumstance was that was happening in his life. It did not determine who he was. Okay, we can't allow the circumstances in our life to tell you who you are. Is the Bible true? Is it the whole truth? Is it nothing but the truth? Is there a lie in the word anywhere? So if it's true, then who are you? Are you who the word says that you are? At least for the next 15 minutes. Okay. This is why I've got a handout for you to take home. It's so important for us to be rooted and grounded in our identity because can I tell you this? If you don't know who you are, the world is going to tell you who you are. And your agreement, how can you walk together except you be agreed? If you're agreeing with peers, if you're agreeing with negativity, if you're agreeing with all of the things that the world wants to say you are, how are you going to walk in the power of who God says you are? Hello? I'm preaching to myself this morning. Well, yeah, I am. 
<laughs> I really, really am. So, all right, let's get through this because I got more. You were perfectly, you were perfectly created for the plans and purposes that God has created you for. There's no one else like you. Why is it that we like to compare ourselves to one another? Paul said, you're not wise. It's not wise. Any of you get caught up in the comparison trap? Yeah. Well, why do they have this and I don't have that? Why can they always get, why do things go good for them? And why do I always, you know, fill in the blank? We've all been there, right? You have been uniquely created for the purposes that God has for your life. Guess what? It's God's design that you're not good at everything. That's why we're the body of Christ. That's why I shouldn't be back there on a jackhammer. <laughs> it's not my gift. Where's Mr. Buck? I always say this. Plumbing is not my gift. All it takes is like five minutes of me trying to do anything mechanical and the flesh starts rising up. All of a sudden, I forget who I am and I start acting like someone who's not <laughs> the reality of who God says I am. Guess what? Find your lane. Find out where you're gifted. Function in that area and then thank God for the body of Christ. I love it when I can call Mr. Buck. I can't call Mr. Buck anymore. I can still call Mr. Buck. He supervises better than anybody I know. He can tell me exactly who to call. Usually tells me to call Mike or Chris or somebody. But that's the way the body works, right? All right, let's move on. We need to have a healthy relationship with ourselves because it affects our relationship with God. It affects our relationship with others. Do you see that? Okay. Because the truth is, is that we all have this in our life. We've all got emotional baggage. Anybody here that doesn't have any baggage? I'm going to try to relieve you of some of it this morning if I can. All right. Our lives are filled of the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? We all have those kinds of experiences. But let me ask you, is your life the product of your baggage? Is your identity based on the good, the bad, and the ugly? Is your identity based on what you've done good and what you've done evil? We're eating from the wrong tree, okay? We're eating from the wrong tree. Is your relationship with yourself based on your performance, your life story, your feelings, your personality, your abilities, or what mood you happen to be in this morning? Is your identity based on those things? The sad thing is, is that for a lot of people, the answer is yes. But if we're born again, we're called to, we've got a new identity, right? And we walk by faith and not by sight because we believe what the word of God says. That's our identity. That's who we really, really are as much as the enemy wants to tell you that you're still the same old dirtbag that you were before you got born again. And you are a dirtbag because God formed us from the dirt of the earth. And he says you were formed from the dirt 
of the earth and you're going to return. So we're all dirt bags, right? But we're dirt bags filled with the Holy Ghost. And that makes all the difference in the world because it's really not about what you can do, but what Christ can do through you. And God can do some amazing things through dirt. <laughs> right? Yeah, I'm so glad. So when we love ourselves, when our performance is good, or when good things happen and our identity is based on that, that's performance identity. If you're only as good as when you feel good, okay? If you're only as good as when you feel good, you're only as good as your last performance. You're only as good as your last performance. If our performance is bad, we berate ourselves. And you know what that leads to? It leads to roller coaster living, right? Because here's what happens instead of loving our neighbor as ourselves, this is what happens. Instead of loving your neighbor as yourself, you judge your neighbor as yourself. You see, the command that, that God gave was love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. You see, if you don't know who you are, all you're going to do is you're going to judge your neighbor the same way that you judge yourself. because you're relationship with yourself is reflected in your relationships with others. It's true. Do you all see that this morning? <laughs> Time's up. All right. So we're talking about developing healthy relationships. We need to have a healthy relationship with ourselves in order to have a healthy relationship with God and to love our neighbor as ourselves. There's another type of relationship outside of performance-based. Your relationship with yourself needs to be established by truth, okay? Not facts, not opinions, not feelings. I'm actually going to take next week and talk about those, okay? What do most people believe about themselves? If, if, if your identity is based on your performance, it's based on your mood, how you feel, what people are saying. Can I tell you, this is what most people think. This is what a lot of people think. I'm nothing. Why? Because our performance never measures up. We all have baggage in our lives. But can I tell you, you're not nothing. Because look at your handout. This is what God says about you. We can all boil down, I'm nothing. We, we have different paths that take us there. But man, when you believe the word of God, when you believe the truth, man, you, you just need to look at this, man. You are a friend of God. You're his child. You're born of the spirit. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. You are free. The Bible says, that there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because he, became, he took the condemnation upon himself so that we could live free. All right? 
we are untouchable by the evil one. We're full of peace. We're citizens of the kingdom of heaven. We're children of God. And it just goes on and on and on. This is who we are. This is who the word says that we are. And we need to become firmly rooted and grounded in this. Let me ask you this question. Whose report will you believe? Whose report have you believed? Are you willing to change report cards? The enemy wants to give you a report card that just says a great big F, you're nothing. Man, God's report card says you have so much value. You have so much worth. It is so good. I've been asking myself this question. What was it about the good news in the early days of the church that caused people to be born again? Because, you know, one of the things in the early days is they believed all sickness and disease was a result of sin. And so Jesus went about healing the sick, proving that he had power and authority, that your sickness does not divine or define who you are. Jesus defines, he has power and authority over that. I'm saying, well, what is that for us today? I mean, if I'm sick and God heals me, that's good news. But can I tell you that what sickness and disease was to the first century church, your identity is today. Your identity. Because once you get a hold of the fact that you are the righteousness of God in Christ, that he loves you unconditionally, that he sacrifices, he delights in you. Your life has purpose. It has worth. Man, when that happens, you can't sit down. You're going to get up and go, woo! Man, my life has, I'm a part of the body of Christ. That's good news. I am no longer defined by what the rest of the world says. If I really believe what the word says I have, then I have value. And guess what? I know people out there who are believing a lie, and I've got good news for them. I've got such good news. I've got good news that is so good. It's so good that it's almost too good to be true. Some of you are being challenged by this this morning. Because when you look in the mirror, you need to begin to decide what you believe. You need to decide what you believe. Whose report are you going to believe? Are you going to believe the report of your performance? Are you going to believe the report of your neighbors? Are you going to believe the report that's been so ingrained in your DNA from years and years of being beat down with lies and not knowing who you are in Christ? Are you going to continue to believe that you're nothing? That's what the, that's what the devil, that's what the enemy wants. Because if you will ever come to a place where you will truly believe who you are because of who he is and because of what he's accomplished, watch out world. Watch out world because the world has yet to see what will happen when the church is, you know, when the church begins to believe who we are and we are the church not to come to this building on Sunday morning. We come here to find out who we are so that when we go out there, we continue to believe, we continue to know who we are, and we are bearers of good news. And I'm telling you, we live in a world where people do not know who they are. And you know, we've got the answer. We've got the answer. 
So first, we have to choose to believe. You know, it takes 21 days to form a habit. You might walk out of here today and say, man, that, I, I felt good. I, that, that message made me feel good. Well, if it did, it's because it's the truth. It has nothing to do with me, that's for sure. But it has to do with the word of God. It's the truth. It's the whole truth. It is nothing but the truth. Man, I just feel like I've been doing that confession all morning. But it's true. It's true. So let me say this kind of winding down here, all right? This is important. Why? Because your most dominant and consistent beliefs about yourself affect your relationship with God and with others. Have I got a slide with that? I don't think so. But let me say that again. Your most dominant and consistent thoughts about yourself affect your relationship with God and they affect your relationship with others. Remember the command? Love your neighbor as yourself. Do you see how important it is to have a good relationship with yourself? Most of us have gotten lost in ourselves. We forget ourselves. We focus on God. We focus on others. But why do we have a hard time with relationships? Because we're still dealing with ourselves. We can't come to a place where we come into agreement with who God says and really, really, really believe. Can I tell you that when a person is sick, John chapter 9, the blind man, he was born blind. Who, who sinned, this man or his parents that he was born blind? Jesus said, neither this man nor his parents, but that the works of God might be worked in him. So he looked at the blind man and he said, receive your sight. And guess what? His eyes were opened. And from that moment forward, he was never blind again. He was never blind. Listen, when we live in an identity crisis and we're living in darkness because we don't know who we really are, when you really begin to see your identity, who you really are, who God says you are, when the light comes on, it should never go off again. It should never go off again. So, the man in the mirror, who is he to you? Who is he to you? Do you see the value of a healthy relationship with yourself? Oh, I got to go back here. Where are we? Chris. If I'm not valuing myself as God values me, I am likely not valuing God or my neighbor as they should be. That's just good. So how do we build a healthy relationship with ourselves? A couple of quick points and we'll close out, all right? One, Surrender to God's love for you. Just put up the white flag. He loves you. Stop fighting him. Okay. He loves you. Number two, receive his forgiveness. First John 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. If he cleanses us of all unrighteousness, what's left? Righteousness. 
rejoice. <laughs> All right? Here's a biggie, number three. If God says you have value, and you believe that you have value, and you believe that God has forgiven you, this is the big one. Forgive yourself. Forgive yourself. How long do you have to carry the weight? Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and take my yoke upon you because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Just do it. <laughs> okay. We need to forgive ourselves. I'm, I'm trying to close. I really am. But if my performance was not good, I, could, I would not allow myself to be good until the next day. If I screwed up early in the morning, it was a bad day all day. And I got up in the morning and I'd say, well, okay, let me try again. Why do we have to wait? Why do we measure where we miss it and then we, we punish ourselves, we crucify ourselves until we feel like we've paid the price and then we let ourselves off the hook? Can't we believe that Jesus already bore it on the tree? That when he was raised from the dead, that we were raised together with him? That he bore the penalty for every sin that you've committed past, present, and future? So if we confess our sin, we are cleansed of unrighteousness, we're righteous, that means we're forgiven. Forgive yourself and get back into the joy of the Lord, which is our strength. That's, a, that's, that's so big. That is so big. It's, it's met, continue to meditate on the word, who he says you are. Exalt the word above your opinion or the opinion of others about you, okay? Because Jesus said this in John chapter 8, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It'll set you free to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It'll set you free so that you can see the extreme high value that you have. And then it will set you free to love your neighbor as yourself. You see? self is really important. All right. Thanks for listening to Streams from the River from the River Church RVA in Chester, Virginia. If you've been blessed by the message and would like to connect deeper with the River Church RVA, please visit our website at riverchurchrva.com. Or you can send us an email, share your testimonies, prayer requests, or general correspondence to family at riverchurchrva.com. Again, that's family at riverchurchrva.com. Have a blessed day, and we look forward to being with you again next time right here on Streams from the River.